everybody, and welcome inside Season 2 of the What You Need to Know podcast. I'm your host, Tyson Ewing, play-by-play voice of Utah women's basketball. This is the What You Need to Know podcast that focuses on all things University of Utah women's basketball. We'll take an in-depth look of what's going on inside the program. Now, I apologize. We're coming back about a week late. Well, actually, a week late to be exact. I was out of town last week and didn't get around to being able to post uh, the podcast last week, so I do apologize about that, but we're getting back going, and our release date will still be on Mondays for the foreseeable future. Today, we will be able to have the opportunity to sit down with Lola Pendande. Super excited about this, as Lola, just a magnificent competitor, one of those players that you love to watch on the floor because of just how hard she competes. She loves the game of basketball, and you can see it while she's out there playing. She was named as a 2020 All-Pac-12 Freshman uh, Honorable Mention. She saw 31 games, started in 29 of them. The only two that she did not start was in the Pac-12 tournament, and I'll be sure to ask her specifically about that as well. She averaged just under 11 points per game, good for second on the team, as well as six rebounds in 23 minutes of play. She reached double digits 15 times in her freshman year and led the Utes in rebounding in 16 of those games as well. She finished the year with three double-doubles, including the final game of the season against the Oregon Ducks, where she went for 15 points and 10 rebounds. She was also ranked 7th in the Pac-12 in total blocks at 34 and 5th in blocks per game at 1.1. She shot the ball exceptionally well from the floor, shooting at about a 58% clip on the season. She was great at the free throw line as well, one of those aspects that you tend to forget about players. She was dependable, uh, 73% from the free throw line this year, one of those players that when you knew that she was going to get fouled, that she could get it done at the free throw line. So I want to make sure that I give her that notice as well. One of the games that sticks out in my mind is, a truly terrific performance from the free throw line was back on February the 1st when Oregon State came to the Huntsman Center. She didn't shoot the ball exceptionally well from the floor that day, just 4 of 10 from the field, but still finished with 17 points, and that's because she was a perfect 9 of 9 from the free throw line. She had a stretch roughly uh, in that time frame where she hit uh, 14 straight free throws and was 19 of 20 at one stretch throughout the season as well. So again, one of those players that you could count on that when she was fouled, that she could get it done at the free throw line. So Lola Pendande came to the University of Utah from Almeria, Spain, getting the nod for some national team play as well. And again, just one of those players absolutely loves the game of basketball, and I'm so excited for the opportunity that I had to talk to her, and once this is over, to be able to see her career blossom at the University of Utah. Let's go ahead and welcome into the show... Lola Pendande. Lola, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Wonderful. So we'll just go right into this and I'd love to get your, really what you're up to right now. I know it's kind of a strange time and would love to know what's keeping you busy during the days. What's keeping me busy is homework. I do homework every day so I can stay busy and I work out every day. Well, not every day, Monday through Friday and I watch TV. That's what I do every single day. What do your workouts consist of? Well, my strength coach sent us some workouts and is full body. We have a upper body one day, lower body one day, and yeah. You said you're kind of just watching a lot of TV as well. What's on your watch list right now? And my watch list is All American, a teenager show, a Mexican show, a Spanish show, and... Oh, they just told me to watch this 
show that came out on Netflix and the name is Black AF. And yeah, <laughs> I'm watching that. Pretty funny. So obviously the season didn't end out the way that you guys had wanted to, but I felt as though, and I, I guess I'll start it towards the end of the season, I felt as though uh, you played exceptionally well to end the season. Uh, we'll go back first to the Pac-12 tournament. You came off the bench in those games, um, and it seemed as though right when you came in, you, you were ready to go. You had 17 points in the game against Washington, 15 in the game against Oregon. Uh, in those two games, I know it was kind of different for you because you came off the bench, uh, but what was clicking for you in the Pac-12 tournament? Well, the Pac-12, I've been thinking about it. I was one day wondering, I was like, well, every time I start the game, I start picking up calls and this limits my playing time. So I would like to start on the bench and see how they calls falls because every referee is different. So I just wanted to see how the game was going to go for the first five minutes and what they call, what they don't call, so I can focus and get ready to play and be smart. And I suggested that to the coaches before the Washington game, and they agreed with me. And, yeah, I think that made a big difference because I wasn't having – good games before the back top tournament that's interesting i didn't realize that was something that you went to the coaching staff for and they were on board with it did you feel as you look, kind of look back as you look at those games did you feel that that worked to your advantage yeah it did work it did work because uh well i'm always a player that i mean i would like to play as much as i can also share minutes but I wanted to, I don't want to be, I don't like the feeling of being limited at playing. I don't like to be scared of doing anything in the game. I want to play like I know how to play. And the falls limitate me and I can do this, I can do that because I know the referee is, gonna, is looking at me and all that. So looking how they call the game during the five, seven minutes, it kind of gives me a clue of how the game is going to be. So I know what to do when I get in the court on the court. Then I kind of go back a little bit when look at some of the you know some of the great things of the season. Do you have any moments that kind of stuck out to you as your favorite moments of your first year in college? Oh, my favorite highlight was winning against USC at home, winning against ASU at home. That was a big win, and competing against Oregon State at home. I think we did pretty well. And yeah, I think those three games would be the best games we had. I'd love to ask about that Oregon State matchup. I know when we were in Corvallis, you struggled a little bit. If I remember, that was the first time that you did not, uh, I think you had just three points in that game. And we played against the same exact team a couple of weeks later, and you were a completely different player. Why was that? Well, when I went to Corvallis, I think it was the beginning of the Pac-12 and I was pretty nervous. I was, I was like, because everyone was warning me, Pac-12 is not like preseason. Pac-12 is, you got to step up. You got to be strong mentally, this, this, and that. So I was nervous. I was, yeah, I was, I wasn't, it wasn't my day. I played the preseason against players my height. And these players were huge, 6'5", six, 6'7". Six, I was like, what am I going to do? They're going to block every shot that I take. So. I was playing very hesitant. So that's why I think I scored three points. And yeah, I wasn't confident at all. And when we came back, I played better when we played at home. I think everyone's seen that. 
And yeah, I was watching videos of them. I was looking at the weakness, why this, this and that. And I see that I saw that I was faster than her. And so, yeah, I think that played a big role, being focused during the whole game and wanting the victory. So to kind of give a little recap for those curious, uh, they played at Oregon State on January the 3rd. Lola had three points, was 0 for 3 from the floor. That was the first and only game of the year where he didn't have a field goal. And then on February 1st, uh, Oregon State came to the John M. Huntsman Center. You were 4 of 10 from the floor. You went to the free throw line nine times. And you had just mentioned that you learned in film that you were a little bit quicker uh, than your opponent. Do you feel that those free throws, the, uh, the free throw attempts, kind of show just how much quicker you were than your defender against Oregon State in that second matchup? Well, the free throws, I knew that the girl that was playing in defense, I was quicker than her. And I knew that her weak, she's not really a good defender. So I was trying to look for her weak spots to get me to get a fall because she's a block. She wants to block every shot. So I was playing like smart than smarter than that and try not to get blocked and get a fall instead of. And so, yeah, I've been practicing on my free throws. Yeah, I think free throws are very important because those are free points and we should make them every time. And yeah, I get I get very heated when we miss free throws because I'm like, those are free points. Those are very important points and we should make them. So yeah, I work a lot on my free throws because I think are, yeah, easy points. Everyone wants easy points. They always help. So yeah. And you were a perfect nine of nine from the free throw line in that game. So it was definitely working to your advantage. Now I want to rewind just a little bit. Talk about the matchup in Provo. You guys played at BYU back on, I believe it was November 29th. It was November 29th. You played 30 minutes. You had six points, seven rebounds. You also had three assists, one steal, and the one, probably one of the biggest highlights I can remember all season long from you was the block that you had at the end of that game to win it. Can you kind of take me back, kind of remember that game for just a little bit and take me back on what you saw and how you were frankly, how you were able to help win the game for your team in overtime to get that block? Well, it was a tough game because I really thought I could get, I could play the best I could. Well, I did my best, but I wasn't on, frankly, I wasn't like physically feeling good. I was very tired. I was fatigued. I was very out of sight. I mean, I was asking myself, why is my the coach keeping me on the court? Like, I'm not scoring. I'm not rebounding as good as I could. I'm just there. So, yeah, it was a difficult game. But then, yeah, we had a timeout. And Drew, my point guard, was like, we need you. You need to wake up, step up. We need you on the court. And, yeah, and I was like, yeah, well, I have to push through it. I was very, very fatigued. I don't know what happened that game, but I was beyond tired. And I was like, well, I got to push through it. We got to get this win. And, yeah, I think Block, the Block, that was great. That was awesome. I was waiting for her to come because I really – I knew she was going to come to the basket. And I think I have a little bit of, like, intuition for Blocks like that. Like, I know when someone comes with confidence and I know when to jump, to block the shot. And, 
yeah, I was pretty confident. I knew I was going to work that. It probably sounds a little corny, but yeah, it was great. I was so hyped. That was uh, your first time ever playing against BYU. I grew up in Utah, and I grew up a big Utah football fan when I was a kid. And so the BYU-Utah uh, rivalry has always been in my blood. And uh, here is actually the moment that you had that block. I'm going to play that moment that you had. Uh, I got a little excited just because, like I said, I love uh, that rivalry. So here is that, here's that block for you. Terrific defensive play by Lola Pendante when it looked as though Paisley Johnson had beaten Drew Gilton to the basket, recovers, and swats it. So that was the play where Paisley Johnson, the guard for BYU, she looked like she had beaten Drew Gilton to the basket, and out of nowhere, you come flying across. I got a little excited about that one. I did. Very excited. It was needed. It was very needed. You play with a lot of passion as well. Can you just talk about kind of where that passion comes from and the love that you have for the game? Well, I think that passion comes from when I was a kid. I used to play with boys all the time. Not that women are not passionate, but I was always around boys. I was always competing against my brothers because my sister was never wanting to play nothing. She will never wanted to do sports. So, yeah, me and my brothers would butt head so much we were so competitive on anything who eats more who runs faster who's better playing soccer we used to play a lot of soccer who's better doing anything who showers quicker well yeah i think that competitiveness made me put passion in anything i do to try to be the best i can always and play as hard as i can because i want to win always i think Losing doesn't compare – the feeling of losing doesn't compare to how how good it feels winning. I think losing is the worst thing that could happen to me. Winning feels good, but losing is just another – something else. It hurts. You could tell that you just you, you just have this passion on the floor that when you make – you know, you make a block like that, and you saw it so many times. In fact, I think you may have gotten a technical foul or two this year. I did. <laughs> After a couple I of blocks. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. So that's clearly evident that you do play with a lot of emotion. And so that's just – truly, that's wonderful to see. Now, we'll move on here a little bit, step aside from, uh, from the season a touch. I do want to ask, though, before I step away from it completely – we went on many trips this year. Um, I, I was able, I, in fact, I sat in front of you on the bus, and uh, it was it was it was fun to travel with you guys. I'd love to know what was your favorite trip uh, throughout the season and why. I think my favorite trip, I think the first one uh, to Cincinnati, Ohio, Kentucky. Um, I think the first one because it was the first time I was traveling with the team. And I really didn't know anyone, like, personally or feel completely confident with them. So I was kind of shy. And it was good because I kind of get to, like, spend more time that was spent on the court. And knowing a little bit more of everyone, them knowing me too. Even though it didn't end up how we wanted to, I think meeting these people a little bit more 
and losing my shyness was the best thing. I think that was my favorite one. Because we went to the railroad. Yeah. Well, I'm studying politics, so I'm studying U.S. history, and it's pretty awesome. It was awesome learning about that. I remember kind of hearing that you were really intrigued from that Underground Railroad Museum. What was it that you loved about it? I was just, I loved learning about U.S. history, about what Black people went through. I mean, I'm Black. I know they're not my ancestors, but, you know, they're my people. I'm a very empathic person, and I love learning about history. Any history is interesting for me, and understanding how the world is now because of that history is very interesting. So, yeah. What will you remember most? And this is going to be on the floor, off the floor, with the team, without the team. What will you remember most from your first year at college? The people. The people that I've shared with the people that I leave in, the, my teammates that I got to know, the awesome people that I got to know, the seniors that I leave in, the coaching staff, everyone. I think, yeah, everyone. I don't have a, a moment that I would say, oh my gosh, it was awesome. I just have little moments that it just was just fun. Like warm-ups were fun, doing running, I mean, a lot of things that were fun, just put them together, I would say, the people. You've kind of become a little bit of a TikTok star in a way. And I've noticed that a lot of the time, the family you're staying with, you seem to, to, to relish in scaring the woman that you live with. Uh, talk about that for a minute. Well, I'm a very scary person. And my teammates scare me every single time. It's the most annoying thing ever. They scare me every single time. So meeting this lady that it's worse than me, literally worse. I'm a very scariest person, I think, I've ever. And meeting this lady, even though she hears me come, I can yell and she gets scared. She jumps. So I'm like, well, this this is going to be awesome. I'm going to prank her in any, can, in any way I can so we can have a fun time <laughs> together. Who is it that you're staying with and what are their names and – Give them a little shout out. I give a shout out to Stacy Bank, which is Coach Rob's neighbor, Aka friend, and her husband Ryan Benbost, and the little kids Cora and and Nessa. So there's an obvious reason why you are staying with them. Could you share with us that reason? Yeah, my reason was because these people knew me before I came here. I didn't know about them. Stacy reached out to me and I was like, who's this lady texting me? I'm like, I don't even know you. Why are you texting me? How did you get my number? So I told Coach Rob, Coach Rob told me that I was her friend, this, this and that. I came over to dinner. They invited me to Thanksgiving. And then, yeah, that's how I became part of the family. And all this Corona thing, virus going down, uh, she offered me to stay in her house with her family. And yeah, I accepted because I didn't have nowhere to go. And yeah, since they, I considered them family, I just accepted staying here and I'm having a great time with them. I'm very grateful for them. That's incredible. I obviously, I mean, if you're watching the news, you understand what's going on in your, uh, in your home country. 
I guess just to kind of make sure everything's okay. Is everything okay with your family back home? Yeah, my family is great. My family is taking care. They're not doing anything crazy. And they're in lockdown anyway. The cops are outside making sure everyone is inside, not doing anything. So, yeah, they're fine. I call them almost every day. Really glad to hear that. That's definitely one of those things that, you know, obviously being from Spain, that's one of the countries that's been hit the hardest. So happy to hear that that is that everything, everybody in your family is doing well. And this could probably lead into my next question, which I love to ask because I'm always curious to get to get you guys opinion. One of the great things at the University of Utah, and I know this is prevalent in most women's sports, and I don't know if it's really prevalent in most colleges, but I know at the University of Utah, one of the things that they do is they allow fans to come onto the floor after games to meet you guys. They have opportunities to meet you at like the at like the brunch at the beginning of the year. But I want to ask you, do you have a favorite fan moment from this year? Uh, and could you tell us about it? I just like how people look up to me. Like I'm somebody, like I'm famous, like I'm a celebrity. It's just I feel like you shouldn't look at me this way because I'm like, I'm not, I'm nobody. I'm just playing sports. But a fan moment would be encouraging the girls that want to be great and do this for and make their dreams come true. Give some advice to them. Since I'm not home, my advice is always that all, every sacrifice will pay off. And yeah, if you have dreamed something, you have a dream, you just have to pursue it. It's going to be hard because it's hard for everyone. Even when you have your family around the corner, it's still hard sometimes. So yeah, I just love how fans love me, how they chant my name every time I score a basket or I do anything. It's just fun. I think that's why I play better at home because of the fans. That's a great answer. I love that. I love that. Now, uh, I did mention that I do sit in front of you on the team bus, and you had just talked about you know what you love a lot about uh, about playing for the University of Utah, playing for the fans, is that you know you kind of get to be in a way, in a sense, you kind of get to be a hero for young girls. Um, when I was growing up. One of the heroes I looked up to was Kobe Bryant. And back on January 26th, we played a game against Stanford. Prior to tip-off, I had found out that he was killed in a, in a, in a helicopter accident. You guys found out later in that day, uh, later in that game. And then we all had to uh, go to the airport together. Uh, I remember you being uh, fairly emotional when you found out. Um, could you kind of share with us kind of the feelings you were going through and uh, what Kobe Bryant meant to you growing up? Well, I met Kobe Bryant growing up because my, my older brother was a huge fan of him. And so he used to watch, he has t-shirts, posters. He used to watch uh, basketball because of him. He played basketball a little bit because of him. And I guess that was a little bit my inspiration, looking up to this man and how bad he wanted to win. And yeah, I think how, how bad he wanted to win and put the work in was very was one of my inspirations because I'm a very competitive person and as you said before the passion shows when I play and it's because I want it so bad so so bad that yeah I would do anything I don't mind showing it and yeah I think 
I was very emotional because I know he was a very uh, inspiration to every person, not only basketball and sport and work. His work ethic was great and it influenced so many people in every aspect and bit. So it was very emotional because we take life for granted sometimes and knowing this person, we talked about him two days before he died was was devastating. And I just wanted to see my family. I was far from my family. I'm alone here. Not alone, but I don't have any member of my family that I shared my life with. And so I just, I was emotional because my mom found out, she called me and she was like, uh, I just want you to know that you're not alone. We love you and we just want you to take care. And yeah, I got emotional because I'm here by myself and I don't want anything to happen to me. I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about something happening to me and my mom had to find out and she's so far from me and she can't do anything to be with me. So yeah, it was just the feeling of not taking life for granted and taking care of the loved ones. I love that. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, by the way. I'll move on and I'll ask, I'd love to know, uh, I got to know you this year. I'd love to know your career before coming to the University of Utah. High school, uh, your high school career, playing with Team Spain. Uh, talk about that for a moment. My career was very interesting. It was a very long story. I started playing basketball with 13 years old, which people told me was kind of old that I wasn't going to make it anywhere because I was already too old. I remember the, my first practice, I couldn't make layups. I was <laughs> so discoordinated. I had no footwork. I couldn't make right-hand layups at all. I mean, it's hard now, but back then, I couldn't even make left-hand layups. It was really hard. And, yeah, I was like, I want this, so I'm just going to work. I love going to practice. I also cried my second year playing basketball because I wasn't good enough. I was telling myself, I'm not good enough. I'm bad. I'm 14 years old. I'm old to play basketball. I'm never going to make it anywhere. And my third year, the national team calls me, sent me an email. I didn't know about it. My coach called me. He was like, you're going with the national team. I'm like, you're lying to me. He's like, yeah, you're going. Look at your internet page. So I went there and I was like, this has to be a joke. So yeah, once I hit the national team, I was like, well, I guess this is for me. I guess I'm just going to work through it and let's see what happens. Yeah, now I'm here. I changed teams three times with yeah, three times. I've been in four teams now. And yeah, it's always been great. You know, meet new people, make new friends that last forever. And yeah, I lost my shyness because I've been everywhere that I need to communicate some way. So I just talk <laughs> to everyone. So yeah, I guess that's my a little summary of my basketball life. So obviously you're from Almeria, Spain. Uh, I'd love to know the different languages you speak, obviously Spanish and English. Uh, which one did you learn first? Which one is kind of your, your, your main language? I would consider my main language the first that my parents talk, African language from their country. 
the country is Guinea-Bissau. And yeah, that's the first language that I learned. And the name of the language is Manjaco. Yeah, so, and then what else? I speak, I learned Spanish watching TV and going to school. Because I first, I never speak Spanish. I never speak Spanish at home until I learned how to speak Spanish. And then my third language would be a dialect from the country. And the name of the dialect is Creole. It's a dialect from Portuguese. And then English that I speak fluently. Oh my goodness, I had no idea. That's awesome. I thought you just spoke Spanish and English, so I just learned something new about you for sure. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your family. You talked about how that you speak uh, you speak your parents' language. I didn't catch exactly what language that was, but tell me about your parents a little bit, uh, their names, what they do, and your siblings. Tell me their names as well. I have three siblings, and we are two girls and two boys. The oldest one's mm. name is Alex. My sister is Dina, a biblic name. My youngest brother's name is Joaquin, like my dad. My dad is Joaquin and my mom is Rosa and Fatu. She has two names. My mom works close to home in a fabric of uh, veggies and fruits. And my dad works in a greenhouse because I don't know if you guys know a lot about Almeria, but we all, it's all greenhouses. Everything is white. We have greenhouses and my dad works there. And my brother lives in France right now. He's he he's a, a little kids coach soccer coach because he used to play soccer. My sister is home doing nothing. I think <laughs> my younger brother is home doing nothing either, and I'm here in Utah. <laughs> Love that. That's great. Little sister's here doing nothing, and I'm here in Utah. <laughs> so you're here in Utah. What led you to the decision? to come and to choose the University of Utah? I didn't think a lot about it. Because what I remember when I when I got here in the States, my first time when I was in LA, I had multiple coaches coming to see me in practice. And I was overwhelmed because I, ne- I didn't speak the language fluently. So I never, I didn't really understood what they wanted from me or what they want from me, what they want to do with me. And I knew Utah for longer than that. So all these coaches coming up to me, I was like, this is too much. I took my visit to Utah. And a week after, I was like, well, I'm sick of these coaches. I'm leaving. I'm going to Utah. And, yeah, that was the reason. I was like, I can't can't deal with these people. Because I don't know who's telling me the truth. Some of this, like, they're painting everything super pretty. I know not everything is pretty, but... I just didn't want to deal with it because I never, I didn't really speak the language and I knew Utah for the longest. So I just decided Utah. And when you first came to Utah, how was it for you stepping into the state of Utah for the first time, uh, being a little bit of a culture shock? It was definitely, I didn't feel confident about coming here. It was a tough decision because I was going to stay home almost. Because I had such a fun year last year. I was like, I don't need to go to the state to play basketball. But then I thought that I need to study. I need to study what I want. So I was like, well, I, I got to go. Because they're not going to give it to me in Europe. So 
it was very shocking. It was all, everything people told me about Utah. Not everything was true, but kind of it was true. So it was shocking. I thought I was the only black person in this state. I was walking around, everyone's looking at me. I go to the supermarket, everyone is staring at me. I, I go to a restaurant, everyone is staring at me. So yeah, it's, it's, I mean, not that people don't do in Spain, but I guess I, was, I just felt comfortable with it because I would see more people like me. But here in Utah, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think, I was, I was shocked. I was, I didn't know what to do. I was like, how, what can I do to, to make these people stop looking at me? I was on the street walking and I felt cars looking at me. It was, it was shocking. It was intense. And I wanted to leave. I was like, this is not the place for me. But yeah. I guess you can you have to live with it and just it is what it is. Well, one thing I will tell you is we are very happy that you decided to come to this state and to play basketball for Utah. It's been really great to get to know you a little bit as well. So so thrilled that you decided to come to Utah and that you're staying here as well. That's awesome. Thank you. Now, I may have asked this question in a way already, but I will ask you again. I'd love to know uh, who is your favorite athlete uh, and why do you like this person and what have you learned uh, from admiring this person? I have a lot of favorite athletes, but the recent, the most recent one is Asia Wilson. Because since when she was in college, I was looking at her. I was like, oh, my gosh, she's a lefty like me. She's so good, so talented, so physical. And also how humble she is. And yeah, I got friends texting me when she got drafted. Friends texting me. You reminded me of this girl. You remind me of this girl, the way you play, the way how humble you are, all this. And I was like, wow, thank you. I admire her. And yeah, I love this girl. I follow her on Instagram. And I'm really impressed of the work she does, the ethics she has, how humble she is, and how great she is and talented. I think she's my favorite for sure. That's wonderful because that leads me into kind of the last question that I like to end on. And you've sort of already mentioned this when you were talking about uh, how the University of Utah interacts with fans. Uh, but similar to the way that Asia Wilson has kind of had an impact on you, what is some advice that you'd give to young women who want to play collegiate basketball and maybe go on to play professional basketball? Just work. I'm wanting it so bad. Being ambitious, I would say. Also, being ambitious but not losing yourself because you got to play being yourself and not playing because someone else is telling you what to do or you got to play because you want it bad and you got to work because you want it bad. That's wonderful. Hey, uh, Lola, thank you so very much for spending time out of your busy schedule, out of your workouts. And thank you so much for spending this time and coming to do this. I really love that you took time out of your day to come and share this with me and to share some uh, really your experiences in life and uh, especially that last little bit, giving uh, the younger generation some tips and some pointers on what they have to do to be able to make it. Thank you. 
And that was Lola Pendande. My goodness, so many wonderful things I learned about Lola uh, while sitting down with her. One of the things that really surprised me, I didn't realize that she spoke four different languages, technically a dialect of one, but still speaks four different languages. And as you mentioned, as she said it as well, she is fluent in English as well. No doubt about that. I truly loved sitting down with Lola. So Lola, thank you so very much for coming on the show and giving us your two cents. One of the things that kind of stood out to me from that interview is how she talked about when she first came to the University of Utah. Uh, That's one of those things that you don't really think about, especially myself, being from Utah, not truly understanding how much of a culture shock coming to the state of Utah really is. And so that was really eye-opening for me And I really hope that Lola continues to feel welcome in the state of Utah. I am really grateful for Lola for sharing that with us and to help me truly understand what it is like coming to the state of Utah. I really hope that that is something that those listening uh, can understand as well. So Lola, again, thank you so very much for coming on and uh, good luck this offseason. Hopefully we can get back to basketball before long. This is What You Need to Know. I am Tyson Ewing. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Be sure to catch us on Apple Podcasts, on Podbean.com, as well as the Podbean app, and online at utahutes.com. Again, thank you so very much to Lola Pendande for coming on the show today. Coming up next week, we'll move into the sophomore class from last year, the upcoming juniors, and we'll start with Naya Becker. That comes your way next week. Have a wonderful week. We'll catch you next week as this is the What You Need to Know podcast. And as always... Go use.